Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Uh, it's It's been a while since we last recorded. Yes, we've uh, been on a long road getting from the start <laughs> of Enterprise to here. Yeah, and we're, we're still not all the done. way done. But... No, there's still a little bit more road ahead of us. Mm-hmm. A little bit more uh, guitar opening <laughs> and with with drums now because yeah. it's you know season four right uh you yeah. just got to keep adding more instruments every season yeah i'm surprised they don't ha- you know have like a slide whistle at this point <laughs> or you know a xylophone or something wacky like that but, well um, that's the thing by the seventh season they would have had a full orchestra and then we'd get the star trek music we're used to but <laughs> it just never got there <laughs> Right, right. That was the plan all along, and unfortunately, we we never got to to see that. Actually, speaking of music, uh, when we get into talking about uh, this week's or this episode, rather uh, the two episodes, uh, I have some some comments on the music. So. Okay, uh, but before we get to that, there's oh, yeah. been uh, some Star Trek news since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, the fiftieth anniversary happened. Yeah. It did, and there was a, there was a lot of coverage everywhere. But I feel like it was more fan created content than anything from Paramount, basically. Yeah, yeah. There there was a, a convention, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but was there really anything else? Uh, I I wished there had been some kind of special on television, or maybe there was, and I totally missed it. No, and if I don't so, think it should have been better promoted. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. It was a lot of uh, the fan community coming together saying, oh, here's my favorite, here are the top ten Star Trek episodes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, nothing from official channels. Yeah, nothing really formal, right? Yeah. But, uh, but still, 50 years of Trek. I mean, I don't know... Uh, I don't know... Uh, this is going to sound pretty deep, but I was going to say, I don't know who I'd be as a person without Star Trek. <laughs> uh, it's definitely had a huge impact on my life. Um, I think it was it was really respo- responsible in a lot of ways for getting me into um, uh, being interested in astronomy and science and technology. Um, I think it really kind of had a profound effect on young Randy uh, in that way, so... Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. Like, Star Trek is a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it helped shape who I am today. Yeah. And, uh, it's you know, it's gotten us prepared for the cashless society. Uh, we're <laughs> we're going to reach any day now. Um, it's going to happen. I just, if I keep believing, it'll happen. Right, right. And, uh, well, I mean, it, it prepared us for iPad. True. Um, that's that's and cell phones. So, uh, we when those things came to be, we were like, oh yeah, I, I totally get those. You know, like oh, you didn't watch Star Trek? Oh, you weren't ready for cell phones. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's ex- it's exciting times. Um, and uh, we're on the we're on the verge of uh, finally the return of Star Trek to television. Only not as soon as we were hoping. Yeah. Uh, other Star Trek news. Uh, Star Trek Discovery, which was uh, originally going to be airing in January of 2017, mm-hmm. has since been pushed back to May of 2017. So four or five months. Yep. And it has me wondering, uh, 
they they're having a little trouble discovering uh cast maybe <laughs> or uh you know uh actually i was talking to someone the other day that said uh you know maybe uh maybe they're already filming it you know like maybe they already have every everyone cast and they're just being super secretive about it for some reason i'm yeah i mean maybe they want the extra time to polish up this uh special effects and mm-hmm. do oh, I, yeah right they got that feedback mm-hmm. or I don't know if they got the feedback, but there was definitely a reaction uh, when we last couple times we recorded. We talked about the kind of the uh, special effects test that was released or yeah, it was a little teaser, right? Mm-hmm. Where we got to see the ship for the first time. And I know there was a lot of, you know, ooh, that looks kind of uh, low budget <laughs> <laughs> compared to modern sci-fi CG. Um, so maybe they're kind of retooling that. I mean, it is a very effects-reliant show compared to others, so, you know, I'm guessing, especially con- compared to uh, other things that um, Brian Fuller's worked on, so maybe you're right, they're just trying to get it right. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm bummed that it's being delayed, but I think it's for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, both you and I worked in writing about games, and games got delayed all the time. So. Mm-hmm. Some of them... For very long periods, to the point where those same franchises, when they get delayed today, I, I just, like, why is anyone even paying attention to this, you know? <laughs> like, oh, Gran Turismo Sports been delayed until uh, next year. It's like, that. this is probably the first of seven delays. So, yeah. We're used to being patient, in other words, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. Just look at it like a video game, and you really can't complain. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you want the final product to be good. So mm-hmm. if they need extra time to make it good, then so be it. Uh, speaking of video games uh, and Star Trek, I actually saw a retrospective the other day um, about Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't even remember. I must have played it when it first came out. But the re- retrospective about it was just... Uh, focused on how great of a game it was, apparently. And so I've kind of resolved that I need some time in the next couple weeks to go back and play it some. Yeah, it's my favorite Star Trek game. So uh, Both uh, was, 1 and 2 are my favorite games. It was Raven Software, at least the first one, right? Yes. Which has actually done a lot of really good stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. I, I just couldn't remember that much about it like i must have played it back on ps1 back in the day when uh when i was at psm uh it came out on ps2 ps2 okay uh and it was very quake ish that first game okay and then how about the second one was it a little more narrative or uh i mean both of them were narrative driven but uh the graphics were stepped up a bit so it didn't Hmm. feel so much like a quake mod okay well, I'll have to check them both out then. And I can uh I can talk about them maybe. <laughs> yeah, I keep uh holding out hope that good old games or someone will be able to make it so that it can run on modern uh computers, but mm-hmm. that might uh that might limit my ability to play it and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. Well you can at least play the PS2 game. Yep. I get a hold of that. Um well- and also speaking of Star Trek games, uh, Star Trek Online finally came out on uh, PS4 and Xbox One. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have to play that now mm-hmm. that we both have uh, machines that are capable of running it. 
Yeah, it's not a really intensive game. It's just my laptop is extremely underpowered. <laughs> yeah, and so that makes it a little difficult. Uh, but now we both have PS4s, fortunately. Um, and so we'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll, we'll uh, encounter some really interesting situations. Or maybe we'll have to roleplay some. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll have to, you know play as our, our favorite Enterprise characters. Uh, because Enterprise uh, time period's covered in it now, right? I think so. I think so. I know Voyager was, and I think Enterprise is as yeah, well. Yeah, defi- so. definitely Voyager, and I believe uh, original series now. Hmm. I want to be Shran. That's basically all I want. <laughs> and and can I have, like, a cosmetic option to have him only have one antenna? That'd be great. I want to be Porthos. Okay. And just eat I think cheese. we can do that. Yeah. That's that's the first quest as Porthos is eat six pieces of cheese. Yeah, and it's uh it's detrimental to your health bar, but you just can't stop eating cheese. No. <laughs> yeah, so I'll have to check that out too. Uh you wanna talk about uh these two Enterprise episodes? Oh you bet. Uh first up, we're gonna talk about Star Trek Enterprise season four, episode fifteen affliction original air date february 18th 2005 uh the episode opens on a klingon facility uh some klingons are injecting a prisoner with some sort of green chemical that smooths out his head ridges and he screams out in pain as we cut to the opening credits Ooh, so it's like vulgar it's like klingon plastic surgery yeah uh, when the episode returns, there's Captain Starlog. It's November 27th, 2154. Uh, Enterprise has returned to Earth for the launch of the Columbia. Uh, Trip is packing in his quarters when T'Pol enters. She asks if he's leaving because of her. He denies it, saying that he's looking for a new challenge on the Columbia. Oh, he can't fool anyone. Especially not the audience. Yeah. Uh, on Earth in San Francisco, Flocks and Hoshi had dinner at a restaurant called Madame Chang's. Uh, they're walking and chit-chatting when three strangers appear and kidnap Flocks. Uh, later, the investigator, Commander Collins of Starfleet Security, is questioning Hoshi. She believes that what happened to Flocks may have been the result of the bar fight that Flocks got in with the xenophobic man in the episode uh, Home. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, Archer and Reed believe otherwise, noting that the ionization traces are likely from a transporter. Uh-oh. Uh, on the Columbia, Trip is training some engineers, one of whom is played by Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, I immediately thought, oh yeah, that's Seth MacFarlane, and oh yeah, I think I remember reading somewhere that he once appeared on Enterprise. <laughs> He's a big Star Trek fan, so it makes yeah. sense. Uh, Captain Hernandez greets Trip, and as she leaves, she reminds uh, Trip to update the patch on his uniform. Oh, right, because he's still wearing the uh, the Enterprise patch. Mm-hmm. Oh, did we ever? Uh, by the way, at any of the the shows we've been to, did we ever pick up those patches? Uh, I didn't. Okay, well, we need to to change that. I guess <laughs> next time I'll pick up the Columbia patch. Oh, okay, and I'll get the Enterprise patch, <laughs> and we can trade. 
in Archer's ready room, Archer asks Sapal to mind meld with Hoshi to help her remember what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer offers to help Tapal since he had Sorok's Katra in his head in the episode Awakening. Yeah, so he's kind of an expert. Yeah. He has like the dummies guide to mind melding like <laughs> built into his head. Uh, Reed is doing some investigating of his own. He tries to contact Starfleet operations to find out why the Starfleet satellite grid was offline, but instead he converses with a man who sits in the shadows. And as an aside, I assume he's, this man is part of section 31. Um, he tells Reed to meet him at a certain address in an hour. Uh, elsewhere on Enterprise, T'Pol mind melds with Hoshi. Hoshi and T'Pol learn that Phlox's kidnappers were speaking of Rigelian. It turns out that a Rigelian freighter left two hours ago, and Archer wants to chase after that freighter. On Earth, Reed meets with the Shadow Man. The man has a job for Reed, and he tells him that it may be the only way to save Phlox's life. Uh, meanwhile, Phlox is taken to the Klingons on Kuvat Colony. He is to work with a Klingon doctor named Antok. Uh, Antok had met Phlox before at an IME conference. Uh, IME stands for Interspecies Medical Exchange. Uh, but Antok was disguised as a Masrite at the time because Klingons weren't invited. Antok tells Phlox about a virus that threatens to wipe out the entire Klingon race. Uh, on Enterprise, they have reached the end of the Rigelian freighter's warp trail, and Archer wants to push the Enterprise's engines, so he contacts his new chief engineer, Commander Kelby. Uh, meanwhile, Trip is sharing a meal with Hernandez in the captain's mess on the Columbia. Uh, she tells him that two of his subordinates want to transfer off the Columbia because Trip is pushing them too hard. Wow. I didn't know he was such a taskmaster. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, he's just in a bad mood. Yeah, he's got a lot going on right now. Uh, on Enterprise, T'Pol is meditating. She's in a bright white room by herself until Trip shows up. He's daydreaming at the same time, so I guess they have some sort of mental bond. Yeah, that's like over time and space, apparently. Yeah, it's weird. It didn't okay. make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I don't know if I recall... Um, this being part of, you know, Vulcan mysticism, but maybe. Anyways. Uh, Enterprise finds where remains of the Rigelian freighter. All the bodies are Rigelian. So, Flux is not there. Right. On Kuvat, Flux tells Antok that the virus is a mutated Lovodian flu. Uh, he wants to contact the IME to get access to their database. Antok stole their database already, however. Uh, some Klingon soldiers bring in an infected Klingon for Flux to analyze. Antok wants to euthanize the patient so that Flux can dissect him, and Flux stops Antok. But the Klingon general, who is played by James Avery, who's perhaps right. best known as Uncle Phil on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> yes! Or the voice of the Shredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Right. Um, this general shoots the patient while they're arguing. Yeah, it's like, I don't have time for this. Fox and your medical ethics. <laughs> On Enterprise, Reed contacts the shadowy man. Uh, Reed wants to tell Archer the truth, that it was the Klingons who attacked the Rigelians. But the man orders Reed to tell Archer that it was Orion Raiders. 
After all, the man says, Reed made a commitment to the Shadowy Man's organization long before he joined Starfleet. Ooh. So Reed's got stuff going on. Yeah, getting a little interesting backstory to read here. Uh, Enterprise gets attacked and boarded by smooth-headed Klingons. A Mako manages to knock out a Klingon while the other Klingons escape. Uh, Archer, T'Pol, and Hoshi interrogate the Klingon in sickbay, but they can't believe this Kal Drogo-looking dude is a Klingon. (laughs) They're like, hey, you look like a Klingon from the original series. What's up with this? Uh, on Kuvat, uh, Phlox discovers that the virus has augment DNA. The Klingons were trying to create Klingon augments to combat the human augments, uh, like the two augments who had wiped out the entire crew of the Klingon bird of prey in the episode yeah. Borderland. So, you know, some callbacks here to yeah. the previous story arc. Uh, They got the augment DNA from some embryos they found on the bird of prey that Malik and his siblings had commandeered. Um, Mm -hmm. However, the augment DNA had side effects, including the smoothing of their foreheads. The subject's neural pathways degraded and they died in agony. One of the subjects had the Lavodian flu, which is how they got in their current predicament. Um. On Enterprise, T'Pol and Hoshi are using a recursive algorithm to recover the erased Rigelian data recorder. Uh-huh. We learn that Hoshi is also having dreams of trip in the bright white room. Uh, T'Pol discovers that the data recorder was deliberately erased via a microdyne coupler, which was found in a storage locker that was last accessed by Reed. Oh, uh, so lots of techno babble and... Uh... Some subterfuge. Yeah. Uh, Reed being the secret agent, you would think he'd be a little, he'd be able to cover his tracks better. But yeah. maybe he wanted to get cut. Yeah, maybe he's tired of being, you know, the pawn of the shadowy man. Uh, Archer confronts Reed and has him thrown in the brig when Reed refuses to explain himself. Uh, Reed does tell Archer that he's not working for the Klingons, however. Archer is really mad. <laughs> Well, he's got what he thinks is a spy in his yeah. midst. True, true. Uh, on Kuvat, Flox is running out of time. The Klingon High Council has wiped out the first infected colony, and Flox has five days before the Klingon High Council's fleet reaches Kuvat. Antok wants to buy more time by having Flox create successful Klingon augments, but Flox refuses. Uh, elsewhere, the NX-02 Columbia successfully launches. Uh, back on Enterprise, the Klingon prisoner is thrown into the cell next to Reed. Uh, Reed tells the Klingon that he is also looking for a cure to the virus. Archer learns that the Klingons who boarded uh, had sabotaged the Enterprise. And Sapal goes down to engineering to help out and discovers that the warp matrix has been compromised by a Klingon subroutine. And it is increasing the pressure of the warp plasma. Uh, so Enterprise has to go faster to relieve the pressure. So you would say they have to go a certain speed, and they can't go below <laughs> the speed. Uh, so Archer orders Mayweather to go up to warp 5.2 as the episode ends. Yeah, I think it was called the starship that couldn't slow down. <laughs> yeah. Well, what a cliffhanger. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on, and I have to say, you know, this is the first part of a, a two-parter, obviously. Um, but I was intrigued. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of mystery here as to to what exactly is going on. I mean, obviously some things were revealed uh, that, that there's this virus and, you know, it's come as the result of the Klingons trying to, you know, initiate their own augment program. Uh, but we still got the unknown of, you know, who the shadowy guy is, what this organization is, what they have to do with the whole s- situation, how they would al- even allow a Starfleet doctor or at least a doctor on a Starfleet vessel to be kidnapped. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty serious. And I think one of the most impactful parts of this episode for me was the fact that they went with, you know, even if we assume it's going to work out okay in the end, they went with, you know, a, a character, like a main character on the Enterprise, potentially being, you know, a spy or, you know, working against the best interests of the ship and against Archer. I mean, that was pretty interesting. Like, I was suddenly, like, more invested in the story, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it felt a little more, uh, like, high stakes to me. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think the read stuff is really interesting. I think the trip stuff is really dumb because you know he's getting back on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I don't like this whole, oh, I'm going to be on Columbia for a while storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty weak. It's definitely weaker than, than what's going on with Reed. Yeah. But, you know, they've played for, you know, four seasons now with having interesting like side stories and have, you know, like having other characters other than, you know, just to Paul or just Archer have other things going on uh, that tie back into the main story. And I mean, yes, we've just seen the beginning of this, but I actually find the, the read side story compelling Mm -hmm. and yeah, the trip side story is just silly, but you know, especially with the weird, like mind link across time and space. I don't get that part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they've tried to make other characters interesting, but it's failed. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think you know it's it's this episode at least it 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 has some you know high stakes seeming uh, elements to it. You have Flock's been kidnapped by Klingons. There's this virus. Uh, Reed is you know we're not really sure where Reed stands, where his allegiance is. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to figure out what's happened to Flocks. Uh, I also noted, um, that, uh, the cinematography of the episode, or just like, you know, basically the way it was shot, uh, felt different from previous episodes. And, uh, as I kind of alluded to back at the start of our episode, uh, the score of the show is different. Um, you know, just in terms of the music and like the musical cues, uh, and, and it just has a, to me, a very different feel from a, uh, I guess, like, all the preceding episodes of, of Enterprise for some reason. Uh, I think maybe it's not that different, and maybe it just kind of, like, hit on the right beats for me for this episode. But I was actually, I was really into this episode. Yeah, it feels a more like a classic Trek episode in mm-hmm. that it's getting back to the Klingons versus Starfleet conflict. Uh, yeah. You're seeing the um, arms race with the Augments. Mm-hmm. And how Klingons are like, well, humans have this new weapon. We've got to get one, mm-hmm. too. Um, and I like how they're going to explain how there are Klingons without ridges on their foreheads <laughs> in classic Trek. <laughs> you mean the difference between ruffles and Lay's potato chips? Yeah, I, I appreciate that they're g- trying to explain it. Even though it was just a choice of 
makeup designer for the motion picture, right? Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and so wait, um, now is it on DS9? And you have to forgive me because I have not seen hardly any of DS9, but I thought that there was some point where they revisit the original series and they see, uh, Klingons with smooth foreheads. Yeah, they went back in time to the Enterprise into mm-hmm. the uh, Trouble with Tribbles episode. Okay. And, yeah, they see a Klingon without the ridges, and they question Worf, saying, oh, what happened? Those are Klingons? And Worf said, basically, that it's something we don't like to talk about. Okay. So that's all we've kind of heard about this up until this point. Right. So now we're trying to to delve into that. Like, why do they look different? <laughs> it's because they were so, using augmented human DNA. Well, it's interesting. I mean, if you're going to take something as you know, seemingly you know, unimportant as a as a discrepancy in the style of makeup between <laughs> the original series and the later series, uh, and turn it into a major plot point uh, for your timeline, I, I guess I guess you could do that and make it interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm into it so far. Yeah, I want to see where it's this cool. goes. Uh, I I do think that the writers recognize that this is their last chance to tell these types of stories. So mm. it's nice that they're kind of throwing it in in the last few episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't even thought about that. That at this point, I mean, unless you know this this script was written, you know, quite a while before they found out that they were getting canceled. But I mean, it could very well be that they fast tracked some stuff that they wanted to get told. Yeah. I'm sure in their, in various story or various writers meetings, they said, Oh, we should tell this story eventually. And then, mm-hmm. like, well, this is oh. the eventual. Yeah. We got to do it now because who knows? There might not be a Star Trek I'll back on TV for decades. <laughs> now nah, it would never happen. Yeah, I don't think they thought that would happen. <laughs> but it did. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. Uh, we'll take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, the episode Divergence. Star Trek, television's most enduring adventure. Enterprise, the first flagship of the Federation. These are her last voyages. These are the final episodes. Friday. Your ships are now the property of the Klingon Empire. They captured a crewman. Came to get my doctor back. We need him here. They've infiltrated the ship. You endangered every member of this crew. And soon they'll have the captain. And we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, Episode 16, Divergence. Original air date, February 25th, 2005. Take it away, Randy. All right. So this episode picks up immediately where the last one ended, with space speed. Not space uh, seed. Not space. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. An episode actually called Space Speed. <laughs> Uh, but no, no con here, but augments. True. So see, we found that connection. Um, it's, it's uh, six degrees of uh, Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> Anyways, back to this episode. Uh, uh, as you know, uh, the Enterprise will explode if it drops out of warp. Uh, funny enough, uh, the person they need to fix this problem is Trip, who's uh, on the Columbia. So what do they do? Well, 
Turns out, Reed, in simulations in the past, has moved personnel between ships at warp. Uh, and I'm not talking about transporting. I was a little unclear on this when they first mentioned it. I thought, oh, so they're going to just do a transport between ships at warp? Like, okay, that's been done before uh, on Star Trek. But no, they mean physically moving <laughs> uh, people between ships. Um, and so as a result of this, Archer has to let Reed out of the brig in order to pull it off. And we have our opening credits. And when we come back from those, uh, we get treated, and I say treated because I thought this was really cool, uh, to a tense sequence uh, where Enterprise and Columbia have to match speed at warp and then get close enough to where they merge warp fields. Uh, and then uh, Reed uh, shoots a cable over to uh, the Columbia and basically brings Trip over between the two ships. It actually kind of reminded me, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the movie 2010. It's uh, the sequel to 2001. But there's a, there's a scene in that movie where they tra- people transfer between two ships and they have to match speed. So it was very similar to that, uh, except without warp fields in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways... Um, as you can uh, imagine, there has to be some kind of, you know, um, aspect to this sequence that makes it hair-raising, and that's that uh, Travis is having trouble uh, keeping in, I guess, close formation with Columbia. Uh, so it kind of comes down to the very last moment uh, getting Trip safely on board, uh, but they do. Um, and, you know, I made a note that, you know, we knew that, Trip wasn't going to die during this. Right, of course. I mean, I'd hope. Uh, but it was still exciting, and I thought it was a cool sequence uh, to see uh, done. I'd definitely never seen this done before on Star Trek, uh, so it was neat. Uh, once he's on board Enterprise, uh, Trip realizes that he will need to perform a dangerous cold restart of the ship's reactor to solve the problem. And not only that... He needs to do it in less than two minutes. (laughs) So the answer is turn it off and turn it back on again. Yeah, but but do it very quickly. Uh, I made a note that it's nice to see Trip back in his element in the Mm -hmm. uh, engineering. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of supposed to be a Scotty-esque miracle worker, right? I mean, he's the best at what he does. Um, And uh, it was cool. Cool to see him doing this. He figured it out, basically. And yeah, he pulls it off. I mean, there's no doubt that he would pull it off. And uh, my note was that it, of course, comes down to, like, the very last second. (laughs) And I'm like, really? You've had two sequences in a row now where it's, like, at the very last moment. They want you on the edge of your seat. I guess. But it's like, come on. Come on. Can't it just ever be, like... You know, it's like, I always wanted James Bond to be diffusing a nuclear weapon. And instead of it coming down to, like zero zero seven seconds or you know one second he'd get it done with like five minutes to spare (laughs) (laughs) like that's how good i am right uh so anyways he succeeds and uh enterprise is able to uh drop out of warp without going kaboom uh back at the klingon colony on discovers that flocks uh has been beaten mercilessly by kavag um the reason uh, for the beating was that Fox is refusing to create an army of augments. Uh, so he asks on talk, uh, basically to kind of put him out of his misery uh, because he's just, he's not going to do it no matter what. But on says that uh, while he's been recuperating, while Fox has been recuperating, uh, he's been studying his research so far and has found a potential cure in it. Uh, but this cure won't result in the augments that the Klingon, uh, 
wants. So basically, you know, he wouldn't allow them to go forward with it. Um, Fox and Ontok debate going forward with the cure anyways, since it would result in saving millions of lives, uh, even if it meant forfeiting theirs. So they basically agree they're going to keep working on this cure. Uh, back on the Enterprise, uh, we have a Captain Star log where we learn that Columbia is joining the search for Flocks. And then I noted, not the search for Spock. <laughs> it's Star Trek, the search for Flocks. Uh, Reed gets returned to the brig. Uh, where Archer reveals to him that he knows about Harris, and he wants Reed to get in touch with his boss. Yeah, uh, the guy's name is Harris, like John Harrison. Oh, okay, from Into Darkness. Yeah, and remember that John Harrison worked for Section 31. Uh, okay, so more evidence mounting that this is Section 31. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get a little more in a bit, I think. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, uh, basically, Archer wants Reed to get Harris on the phone so he can jump in and confront him. <laughs> He's like, ah, I'm, I'm really the one calling you, Harris. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, back uh, at the Klingon colony, Antok reveals to Phlox that he was the one responsible for the virus. Uh, after this, uh, the Klingon a bird of prey with the augments on board that attacked Enterprise return and report... To Kavag that they have destroyed Enterprise, which do they think they've actually destroyed it? But they don't know. Well, they, they sabotaged just, it. And they said, yeah, oh, we assume we destroyed we assume it. we destroyed it, but never they, count they don't have Archer anyone out. who could fix it. Right, right, yeah. The Starfleet just isn't that uh, resourceful. Uh, so after this, we learn that Kavag's son was part of this operation, uh, but he's told that his son was killed by the humans, no less, which was a dishonorable death. But we know that he's actually been captured. Mm-hmm. The audience uh, knows. The uh, female Klingon Ogman mm-hmm. is played by Kristen Bauer, who's perhaps best known for her role as Pam on True Blood. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't recognize her. Even... With a little bit of makeup on. <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah, just a little fun yeah, fact. A little fun fact. Um, uh, again, uh, at the Klingon colony, uh, Phlox and Ontok tell Kavog that they've figured out uh, a cure for the virus, but need a day to finish their work. Uh, Kavog gets in touch with Krell. Uh, who agrees to hold off on his plans to eradicate the colony for three more days to give them time. Uh, back on Enterprise, Trip has a, as I noted, an awkward, another rather awkward run-in with DePaul, uh, who asks him if he's having trouble sleeping. So she's trying to figure out if, you know, if she's just imagining this uh, hallucination, or if it's like they actually have some kind of connection. Uh... Back at the Klingon colony, uh, Phlox learns from Kavag that his son uh, was part of a group of Klingon soldiers chosen for the Augment experiment after they ran out of prisoners to test the virus on. Uh, we see that the Klingon Augments who've returned uh, from the mission against Enterprise are getting sicker. Uh, Kavag tells the augmented Klingons, uh, that a cure is being worked on soon, uh, but they tell him that they're afraid of retaining their human-like qualities, uh, including their appearance, their smooth foreheads, and a sense of fear that they've never felt before. So, basically, they're like, humans are weak, we don't want to turn into humans. (laughs) 
So, back on Enterprise, uh, while chilling with Porthos and talking about Phlox and his secret stash of cheese, uh, Archer is contacted by Harris, the shadowy man. Uh, he tells Archer that Article 14, Section 31 of the Starfleet Charter allows what's going on, and that Archer should basically stay out of it for the good of Starfleet and their allies. Hmm. So, Section 31. Yep. Which, uh, that, that made its debut in DS9, is that right? Yes. Okay. And again, I need, I definitely need to catch up on <laughs> DS9. Uh, but it's played a role in other, in other Trek stuff. Yeah, they're, uh, basically the secret agency in Starfleet. Within Starfleet, right. And because of this part of the Starfleet charter, they're allowed to kind of do whatever they want during extraordinary times, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Back at the Klingon colony, if you haven't uh, guessed, we're kind of shifting back and forth between Enterprise and the colony. Uh, Phlox reveals that he has prepared four potential cure strains, uh, but only one of them will actually stop the virus, and he doesn't know which. It's going to be, you know, hilarious finding out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Playing Russian roulette with these cures. With with the virus cures. and uh, since they just happen to be there conveniently in the room, uh, Kavag, uh, Antok, and two of the other Klingons submit themselves for the experiment. It's going to be like, which one of them's going to live? Which one's going to die? Tune in next week to Star Trek Enterprise. Um, Archer meets with Reed back on Enterprise and uh, kind of clues him in that he's talked with Harris and he's found out some stuff. Uh, Reed says that he's wanted to tell Archer everything all along, but couldn't because he was sworn to secrecy. Uh, and that while he doesn't know where Phlox was taken, he does know that there's a Klingon colony where genetic research is being conducted. So that's probably the right place, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Reed gets reinstated. Uh, he returns to duty uh, to the surprise of uh, the rest of the crew, uh, and they set out for the colony uh, with Columbia uh, ordered to kind of hang back in case they need backup. They don't want uh, Columbia getting uh, into the fray if it doesn't need to. Uh, Phlox is finishing up with the injections back at the colony, uh, and Kavog tells him that... Uh, he thought that Klingons could succeed with an augment program where Dr. Sung had failed. Um, but Fox tells Kavag that this was misguided uh, because the augmentation can make even the most disciplined warriors turn uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. As so, we saw. Basically, don't mess with this. Don't try to play God. Uh, Archer is in the Enterprise brig with Kavag's son. Uh, whom he implores uh, to help uh, by saying it will help his people. Uh, this finally breaks through to the Klingon, and he agrees to help. Back to Phlox at the colony, uh, he discovers that of the four strains, Kavog's is actually the one that's effective. Uh, upon learning this, Antok basically thinks, oh, I'm a dead man now. Uh, but Phlox says uh, if he can work fast enough, he can save his new friend as well. Uh, we get a scene between Krell, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess, general, uh, Klingon general, Klingon higher up, and Harris from Section 31, uh, where we learned that the Klingons were supposed to stop Enterprise. So I'm not sure if this means uh, Harris was, like, okay with them destroying Enterprise, or if he just thought they'd slow them down. 
Um, but well, he said, I mean, it's for the greater good in Harris's eyes, right? Yeah. So he basically said that, you know, they had an enterprise or they had an enterprise. He basically says that, you know, they had an agreement, um, that, uh, you know, they would work together on this, but Krell basically just laughs in his face and it's like stupid human. You trusted us, but you shouldn't have. Well, they have uh, augments now. It's not like yeah. Harris has anything over them. Right. Right. Uh, after this, Archer shows up at the colony. I guess we assume he beamed down. <laughs> and uh, Phlox tells the captain that he needs a few more hours to create the cure. Um, and at this point, he also is emboldened and reveals to Kavag that he's been lying all along. The, the cure will not create augments. And Kavag is mad, but, I mean, what can he do, right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just then, uh, three Klingon ships arrive in or- orbit to eradicate the colony. They're Krell ships and Krell's with them. Uh, Reed tries to get in touch with Columbia, but their communications are jammed. Uh, Krell then announces that the two NX class ships are property of the Klingon Empire. Dun dun dun! Uh, combat ensues. Uh, Phlox says that he could create a cure faster if he had a human host to incubate it. Oh, so of how course, convenient. So, yeah. So, of course, Archer volunteers. Uh, Phlox injects him, and uh, pretty quickly he starts writhing in pain, and ridges start appearing on his forehead. <laughs> it's pretty silly. Yeah, it is. Uh, back in space, Reed, uh, their Enterprise is taking a royal pummeling, uh, but Reed is able to get in touch with Columbia for help, but it turns out their weapons have been taken out. Uh, back in the colony, Phlox extracts the cure from Archer, uh, after he's broken free from his restraints like a monster <laughs> and has to be restrained. Uh, but they extract the cure, and, uh, Ontok beams a canister to Krell's ship. Uh, it turns out uh, that it's Fox's plan as a last-ditch attempt to prevent the colony and his cure from being destroyed. He's beamed the virus. Seems a very undoctor-like thing to do. Uh, onto the Klingon ship and basically says, hey, if you want the cure for you and your crew, you're going to have to let us live and, and uh, not destroy the colony so we can create a cure. Uh, and Krall eventually relents. So, Flox was very confident that he could create a cure. He just needed a little more time. Just a little more time. So, you know, yeah, I if, guess in the if end, he has okay. to blackmail this Krell guy, then yeah, yeah, sure. so be it. Flox is kind of a bamf in this case, yeah. Uh, so after this, uh, we get a Captain Starlog. Uh, we learn that the cure has been successfully created, uh, that Krell is uh, backing off and letting them go, and that the cure is going to get distributed throughout the Klingon Empire. So uh, I'm guessing the implication there is that anyone who had the virus is going to end up looking like a smooth-foreheaded Klingon. Yep. And I'm guessing, because in the next scene... In Sickman Enterprise, with Ontok and Phlox talking about the situation, uh, we, we get a little bit more background to this, that basically, you know, that is what's going to happen, and, and you know, the descendants of these Klingons will also have smooth foreheads. So, there's your explanation. Uh, and Ontok is actually, you know, pretty terrified by this concept himself. You know, he's kind of like, oh, I'm gonna look like a monster! But... He's a, he's, you know, he's a pretty pragmatic guy, and he decides that, uh, you know, he could take up a new line of work because he's probably going to lose his job uh, as a plastic surgeon. 
specializing in forehead ridge reconstructive surgery. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. He found so a market. Who knows? He found a market. He has a, he has a target audience, uh, consumer there. Uh, but you know, who knows? Maybe, um, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, Klingons that we see in later series are actually smooth headed Klingons that have had their ridges reconstructed. So you just never know. Yeah. Uh, Phlox tells Archer, who still has forehead ridges, uh, that he'll be back to normal soon. Um, I think that, uh, Archer makes a joke about, like, wanting to have some gawk or something. Uh, and Tripp says that he's gonna stay on board for a while to get, uh, the new chief engineer on Enterprise up to speed. But it's, it's only temporary. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, totally believe that. Totally temporary. Yeah. Uh, in the final scene of the episode, uh, Reed is reading reading in his quarters uh when he gets a uh video call from harris uh reed tells harris that he wants out but harris says uh basically you know once you're in you're in no one leaves this cabal alive <laughs> kind of thing but uh reed says that uh, from now on he will only obey orders from one person and that person is archer and hangs up on him nice and that's the end of the episode yeah uh this was a cool two-parter yeah. Um the it we talked about it in the last or in the first part of this episode but uh-huh. it's cool how they're explaining um uh, the Klingon forehead stuff. It's cool mm-hmm. that they've involved section 31. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You you definitely need to watch some DS9 to see uh section 31 stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely intrigued. Like it's it's added this new layer to star trek that i really had no experience with before like this you know shadowy organization within star starfleet right and uh flocks had some cool moments in here mm-hmm. yeah flocks saved the day really you know and uh archer got uh forehead ridges so really like everyone everyone did something <laughs> you know even even uh mayweather got to Got to uh, fly around in combat. Sure, yeah. he doesn't get to do very much, but hey, they got to do something. They had to match speed with the, the Columbia and all that. Yeah, that was pretty. That that took some skill, I guess. But um, yeah, he's he's a long ways from being as interesting as some of the other characters, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still really don't care about the Tapal trip stuff. No. No, I mean, there's a moment there, I think, during during that storyline where, you know, I was like, oh, it'd be interesting to see where this goes. I like Trip a lot. I like T'Pol a lot. You know, it could be some interesting, you know, human-Vulcan relationship stuff here. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm not invested at all. I don't really care. You know, they could kind of just forget about it, and I wouldn't even mind. Yeah, I frankly, I wish they would forget about it and just yeah. move on. You know, I'm a little, I'm definitely more interested in... You know, leaving this episode and thinking, oh, wow, so, like, what does this mean? Is this is this the end of the interaction with Section 31? You know, is Reed off the hook? Or, you know, is something going to come of this? Are they going to, you know, is, is there going to be some reprisal for him uh, hanging up on Harris? <laughs> you know, what's going to happen? So I'm more interested in that for sure. Well, there's only a handful of episodes left in, yeah. in which Harris can do something. Yeah, so I'm not... Don't have high hopes for anything more coming of it, but who knows? I said before that I didn't think we'd see Shran again, and he showed back up. So, yeah, maybe I should just say, I don't think we'll see any more Section 31 in this series. (laughs) 
but maybe we will. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I really like this two-parter a lot. Um, it, I'm trying to think back to the other, uh, story arcs of the season. You know, I definitely liked it more than, uh, the augment, uh, one, which was a three-parter, I think. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting because this was actually built on top of that. If the so, augment storyline had been shorter, it probably would mm-hmm. have been better. Yeah. I think this showed kind of the, how potent, like a, just a two-part story arc could be. Mm-hmm. I don't think they could have squeezed this all into one episode. No, it's too big for one episode, but if they stretched it out, it mm-hmm. wouldn't have been nearly as good. Yeah. No, I, th- I thought it was great. And um, I don't know, you know, it, it felt fairly self-contained, so I don't feel like, you know, we need to really be concerned with where this is going. I mean, we kind of know where it's going in that there are Klingon that have smooth foreheads and some that don't. Right. And, and just for, yeah. huh? And the... Uh, uh, Starfleet and the Klans are going to continue to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, uh, I guess just, uh, we're supposed to just assume that on the original series, um, the Klingons that they encountered were always ones that have been affected by the virus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or their, okay. or their, uh, ancestors anyway. Their ancestors, right. I'm kind of interested now to see if on Star Trek Discovery, if there are still Klingons getting around out there that have smooth foreheads, <laughs> that would be a great throwback. I would imagine they would throw some something, something in, there. in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen that they're not afraid to include references to Enterprise in other Trek stuff. I mean, Star Trek Beyond, without getting too spo- spoilery for those who haven't seen it, does definitely have some connections to Enterprise. Yeah, for sure. I'm, which I, was kind of which was kind of unexpected. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. Uh, pleasantly yeah. surprised. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, oh, I'm glad we watched Enterprise because we knew about that, right? Although I so. will say, even Star Trek 2009 and Into Darkness referenced some Enterprise stuff. Uh, uh, well, the Enterprise itself, I know, was on a desk in Into Darkness, right? Yeah, I want to say they talked about, oh, uh, Porthos. <gasps> right, Porthos comes up in the 2009 yep. Trek. There there was something about transporting him. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some, like, secret Enterprise fans out there <laughs> in, in positions of power. Uh, next time, we're going to talk about the episodes Bound and In a Mirror Darkly. Ooh. I think I know what that second one is about. Mm, maybe. Mm, I'm stroking my goatee over here. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And yeah. we'll talk to you then. See ya. Friday on an all-new Star Trek Enterprise. I think she likes you. The women of Orion have the power. Feel the power. The Archer has a very large... Do you feel me? Ship. Ship. The power to drive half the crew. Their presence is becoming disruptive. You're telling me. It's a highly potent pheromone. Do you feel me? Out of control. With only six episodes left, anything could happen. 